Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, with me, my fellow football priest. You know him, you love him, Zach Kelberman. Zach, rumor is the Denver Broncos, surprise, surprise, are going to meet with a trio, probably more, of quarterbacks at the NFL Combine. Lots to talk about, by the way, tonight uh, relative to the Aaron Rodgers thing. But let's first talk about the buzz at the Combine since it is Combine Week. Yeah, uh, Mike Kliss reported earlier uh, this evening that the Broncos will meet with Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, and Matt Corral, to three of the higher-rated quarterbacks in this year's weaker draft class. No surprise, based on how they're splitting up the combine this year, certain positions have certain interview nights. So Monday night, tonight, it's going to be quarterbacks and wide receivers. And there's no surprise the Broncos are linked to every quarterback under the sun. And they're gonna, while they're there in Indy, they're going to do their due diligence. It's partly why they go. It's to talk to the prospects, meet the prospects, interact with the prospects. Don't jump to conclusions, Broncos country. Don't already assume they're going to draft a quarterback at number nine or any one of these three guys. But George Payton is doing what George Payton should be doing on day one of the combine. Dan from up north of the 49th parallel, proving that Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. Thank you, Dan. I don't recognize you on Super Chat, so welcome and thank you very much. Scott will keep an eye out for any topic or question that you might have in the chat. Just wanted to thank you for getting that super in early. And also, Zach, um, shout out to moderator Dylan. Love you, bro, and everything that you do for us. And a few great folks who get in the chat early, like Trash Panda 5150 one of my favorite handles. Uh, Duke Rose. Yeah, let's just segue to, to Bearded Broncos, Salvi Nation. Uh, to the Rogers thing. Word on the street is... There could be a decision tomorrow announced by Aaron Rodgers. And what I said yesterday was it wouldn't surprise me. I have a feeling it's this week because he wants to kind of, you know, the combine is going to be the news cycle and everyone's going to be loving that. No longer fatigued by Rodgers watch because everyone's going to be distracted by this. Boom. Now I'm going to come back and I'm going to command the news uh, cycle here. But Benjamin Albright, KOA, insider, says he's going to be going back to the Green Bay Packers. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, I mean, to your first point, coincidentally or not, uh, Ian Rappaport reported earlier tonight that there are talks taking place between Rogers Camp and Green Bay. He says nothing firm has been decided yet, but there are negotiations. And the Packers are going to have an offer lined up should he decide to come back and bless them with his presence once more with an offer that would make him the highest paid quarterback and player in league history, something like $50 million a year. And I feel like, Chad, based on instinct, based on how long I've been watching football and covering football, if they're that deep into talks, 
I think that's a clear indication he's coming back to the Packers for one last dance and doing so with a fatter pocketbook. It's always the pendulum has uh, pardon pardon me for the pee pops there, but the pendulum has always swung toward it's probably going to be Aaron Rodgers running the back with the Packers, Bronco fans, and even on this channel, this podcast, we've hung on a very small thread of possibility that no, maybe he'll choose to take his talents elsewhere because of the Nathaniel Hackett connection, plus all the reporting, Zach, right? We've so many uh, Denver area insiders embedded in the very organization are saying that, you know, that's their priority number one. But one of the, it's almost like being damned, all right, for the Broncos is that they don't, whatever their priority number one is, which it's Aaron Rodgers, they don't control it. You know, if you're going to have a plan A, I think, Zach, if you're going to assert that as your prime objective, you better have some control over that thing, right? Mm -hmm. So, but still, man, it doesn't surprise me. I'll play devil's advocate just for a second. Of course, he's going to be talking to the Packers right now. If he has intimated to them, Zach, that a decision is imminent, of course, he's going to be talking to them because they're going to be calling him. They're going to be saying, Aaron, what can we do? Aaron, how are you feeling on this? Aaron, let's sweeten the pot with that. Aaron, hey, we're clearing cap space over here to keep this weapon and go sign that one. And, you know, of course they're going to be talking. Doesn't necessarily guarantee he's going to go back to the Packers. But as your football priest here, we're trying to let you down as straight up and easy as possible. The stars are aligning for Aaron Rodgers to continue his NFL career. If he so chooses to continue playing, it's going to be with the Green Bay Packers. It it's really feels that way right now. I really like the point you made about the Broncos could not control the the destiny of their plan A. But to their credit, I feel like they did everything they could possibly do that was in their control. They hired his former coordinator. They hired Justin Outen. Uh, you know, uh, George Payton was willing, reportedly, to make that deal should Rodgers become available. Probably not for three or four first-round picks, but I feel like he would have pursued Aaron hard and probably landed him if Rodgers were to hit uh, the trade market. But, you know, this is why it's so... Um, unprecedented, Chad, for reigning back-to-back MVPs to be traded in some blockbuster deal. It doesn't happen too often. If you have the reigning back-to-back MVP, you keep the reigning back-to-back MVP. That's how it works in this business. And we've been saying all along, I mean, I was on board with it. The thought is super tantalizing, making the Broncos instant Super Bowl contenders with Roger Services, playing for Nathaniel Hackett, following maybe in the footsteps of Peyton Manning. But... We've always said so many dominoes have to fall for that to happen. The Green Bay Packers have to trade him. Rodgers has to decide that he wants out. He has to rebuff the money. And I don't care what anybody says. At least partly this has been about the money slash title for Aaron Rodgers. He's trying to grab the few things he can before he dips out, and the next stop for him would be Canton, Ohio. We're, like you said, letting the audience down easy. I know it's 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 kind of uh, demotivating that we have to go back to the drawing board and think about plan B because who is plan B? Russell Wilson, who's equally as unlikely to come to Denver. Uh, Is it Kirk Cousins? Is it Jimmy Garoppolo? Or is it Drew Locke? Is it a rookie quarterback? To go from Aaron Rodgers to Kenny Pickett, for example, that's a steep fall off that cliff. So I don't blame the fan base for being down about it. But this is a roster and a team with this GM and this coaching staff that is going to compete whoever they field under center. Rodgers would have been nice, but it was always a pipe dream. Let's get realistic. Let's get an upgraded quarterback, and let's go win some damn football games. Let's do it. 
Uh, quick segue here, Mark John. Appreciate you, my friend, being with us. He says I was right about the movie about Kurt Warner, American Underdog. Yeah, you know, let me give you a quick review. All right, here's uh, it's not Bronco Book Club. It's not even Bronco Film Review. It's about a freaking Ram slash Cardinal slash Giant slash Barn Burner. Uh, but let me just give you quickly. It's a very good football movie. It's a feel good movie. But there's not very much action on the field. I'm just going to let you guys know that. All right. I'm not going to spoil anything, but this, the movie is more about him uh, starting off with this very improbable dream, of course. All right. And along the way, meeting uh, this woman named Brenda, who is a single mom of two, and her oldest was uh, dropped on his head as a baby by his birth father, which. Uh, caused brain swelling and they were able to save his life, but he was, he's legally blind and it caused all of their problems. Kurt starts dating this woman. None of these are his problems, right? But he dates this woman. Now they're his problems and he embraces that. It focuses more on all of that whole ball of wax and the relationship between Kurt and his wife and his uh, two at the time, soon to be stepchildren that he eventually Zach adopts as his own kids. Uh, they go on to also have five children together. So seven Warner kids. I mean, who was that? Who uh, Dominique? Uh, no, Dominique's the uh, the big brother. Antonio Cromartie, who thank had you, like thank twenty you. kids. I ruined the joke because I couldn't think of the name. But either way, hey, that's not nothing. Kurt Warner, he's he's all about multiplying and repopulating the earth. But eventually, it gets into kind of how he found his way into the league and held on to the dream long enough, did enough to stay relevant, to stay on the NFL kind of radar. And then he gets his real chance and, of course, knocks it out of the park. On a four-star scale, I would give it like three stars. Could have been better if they would have given us a little bit more meat and potatoes on the football side of things. But I understand, Zach, you got to create drama, right, to make the football stuff meaningful and, and all that. I just think it was slightly imbalanced in that sense for people turning on that movie to watch the Kurt Warner football story. But still, very, very well done. The guy that played Kurt Warner, great job. Great job. And the the gal that played uh, Brenda Warner, oh, what's her name? She's Rogue from the uh, X-Men movies, and uh, she was she was the lead Sookie in uh, True Blood, if you guys watch that on HBO. Anyway, I forget her name, but really good movie. Go check it out. It's tough to nail uh, football uh, biographies <clears throat> when they're in movie form. It's easier to – I'm a big fan of documentaries. I like docs a lot more than movies nowadays. It's more maybe more about the movie industry, maybe more about me, whatever. But the John Madden documentary was excellent. Tear Jerker got his personal life, got his, his football life, and merged those together beautifully. It was amazing. Um, I haven't seen the Kurt Warner movie. I don't know much about it. I'm assuming, though, because he had a green light that – he was a, he's a big man of faith. And I feel mm -hmm. like the faith aspect of his life brought him and his wife together. And that's why they, you know, they had a, have a big family. And uh, uh, that aspect I think was uh, blessed by Kurt Warner, but it's, it's tough to nail down the perfect balance. We all know his story on the field though. We've all watched it. We don't know his story off the field. So a movie like that can do a good job uh, explaining that to us. Thank you, Scott saying uh, Anna Paquin and Zachary Levi. Very good. Yes. Um, both did a great job. Anna Paquin, she's got some chops, man. She's got the she's got some chops. They did a decent job to cut her hair. Kurt's wife has always been this kind of like real short hair, kind of spunky look to her, and they did a good job with that. It's a really good movie. Um, there was one point toward the end, and it was more Zach about like I think just the reminiscing uh, about 
some of the, in my mind, you know, golden age of the NFL and the greatest show on turf when he finally gets his shot. And we all know what happens when Kurt actually gets his shot, right? When Trent Green gets injured in the preseason and they don't have any choice really but to roll with Kurt Warner. And we all know what happens. He goes on to just light the NFL on fire, MVP, Super Bowl MVP. I mean, it was unprecedented, especially for an undrafted rookie. He was a rookie. Um, there's a moment at the end of that movie where I found myself getting a little kind of invested. I wouldn't say choked up, but where I could feel my emotions kind of going, yeah, dude, it's just, it's just such a sweet movie and story of triumph and what he overcame and what she overcame too. I mean, she had some serious tragedy strike her life, that poor woman, but you know, Hey, the, uh, the good Lord balanced it out for the Warners. This is really random and off topic, but Trent Green <laughs> was one of the most, I think, underrated quarterbacks in NFL history. Again, neither here nor there. Just wanna, you mentioned him, and I wanted to, yeah. wanted to say that. Bronco fans hate Trent Green because when they 86 him after Kurt's rise to power, he came to Kansas City and was a thorn in Mike Shanahan's side for a few years with Priest Holmes and that whole crew. What a fantasy quarterback, though. He was. Oh, I'm going to say. Dude, he was. In that time. He was set and forget in fantasy. Uh, Colby C. Collier, getting back to some Bronco talk here. Appreciate you, big dog. He says, Rodgers needs to come out and make a statement on his plans already. See, uh, people, I think, are misunderstanding. According to Pat uh, McAfee, Rodgers is not appearing on tomorrow's show. I've seen some things that are, uh, you know, countervailing to that. We'll see. But I've had multiple people reach out saying that it feels like tomorrow Aaron Rodgers is going to drop some knowledge. But we'll see, dude. Roger's statement is going to come in the form of a Adam Schefter tweet that says the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers have agreed to a two-year contract extension that will pay him $50 million a year. I think that's the way it's moving right now. We went from no decision and Brian Gutekunst kind of tamping down the idea of bringing back the super team between Rodgers and Devontae Adams once more. And now apparently they're locked in negotiations and they've gotten that far where Green Bay expects to have an offer on the table. They've cleared a ton of cap space in the meantime. I think they're getting the plans together because that's how he wants to do it. Nothing's going to be ordinary. It's going to be very erratic and very out of the blue. And I can definitely see that statement coming in the form of a breaking news announcement about his contract. And maybe he'll put out a statement personally after that, but that's how Aaron, I think would want to do it big time. Just so weird. If he does end up going back to the Packers as the stars appear to be aligning, just some of his behavior since that division or, or uh, title game, just very bizarre how you would go back and interpret some like the Instagram posts and some of the things he said. And just he's a he's a he's a weird guy. Albert Knoppers, congratulations on your oldest granddaughter getting married. That's very, very cool, my friend. Give her and uh, the missus our best and congrats to uh, Clan Knoppers. Very cool. The Aviator, Shane Daniels, in the house. What's going on, big dog? He says, evening, guys. Sorry I haven't been on concurrent uh, overseas. Keep up the great content. Watching the shows when I get a chance. Looks like we may be running it back with Locke next year. Man, on that subject, I tell you what, Thomas Hall, Mile High Huddle analyst, he sure put out a depressing piece today on on Drew Locke, talking about his uh, – 2020 body of work and uh, where it ranked in the top 50. Um, maybe I should just pull it up, but before I do uh, the cliff note version is if the Bronx, there's no plausible way he's kind of echoing what uh, Lewis Riddick said, basically that there's no plausible way the Broncos are in any way, shape or form planning on rolling with drew lock. 
he's strictly the contingency, not in any way, shape, or form could he or should he be viewed as the plausible solution to quarterback in 2022. Now, hey, it's my website. I published it. I edited it. This was Thomas's opinion, all right? It doesn't mean I agree with it. He makes a lot of good points in the piece, but I don't agree with it 100%. I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, everyone's entitled to their opinion about Drew Locke and what the Broncos should do, and I, I respect everyone's opinion about it. Uh, they might not be planning to start Drew Locke in 2022, but they've at least acknowledged the possibility. They, they are aware of that potential outcome. If they strike out on Aaron, Russell Wilson, whoever else they have, and if it comes down to it where Drew Locke is starting for them, I think they're okay with that. I think they will make peace with that. They have resigned themselves to that per- particular scenario playing out. I don't know about planned as the right word for that, but there is a lot of undue, obviously, um, I don't know, discouragement about Drew Locke from the fan base, from some of the most of the media actually covering the Broncos. And I can see why the apprehension is there. But I don't think the Broncos know who they want to go with yet. I don't think they have a plan in place. How could they? They're waiting on Aaron like everyone else is. They're waiting on Russ like everyone else is. They don't know how the free agent market and the trade markets are going to shake out just yet and how the draft until they meet with these prospects and go through film. Everything is up in the air right now. If you if you made to a gun to his head, George Payton, make him tell you what he wants to do at quarterback, I guarantee he would say, I do not know right now. I will know maybe in a few weeks, a few months, but I don't have an answer for you. It's all speculative. That's all we can do right now. They are in the gathering information phase and waiting on a unicorn to make a decision phase. Whatever, however you want, whatever kind of description you want to give that phase, that's the phase. George Payton's in. Justin Martin, thank you for that very generous super chat, my friend. Thank you. He says, hey, guys, it's been a while. It would be great to get a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers, but honestly, I would love to see Locke get one last shot to try and prove he could possibly be the long-term quarterback. Let's, uh, you know, we'll see, buddy. Let's, on that subject, all right, this is us answering and kind of riffing off your super chat here. This is the Thomas Hall piece, all right, titled, For Broncos to Succeed with Drew Locke, the quarterback will have to defy historic precedent well what are you what's he talking about here well he's got a top 50 worst resume what does that mean in 2020 all right i'm going to quote thomas locks 2020 campaign adjusted for era remember thomas is an analytics guy all right he's pragmatist he's in numbers it's black it's white so he's done the research on this on the analytics side quote locks 2020 campaign adjusted for era was in the top 50 worst seasons for a qualifying quarterback in his first or second season since 1960 afl included Furthermore, it was in the top 100 worst seasons for any qualifying quarterback. There is nearly 1,500 qualifying quarterback seasons in this analysis, and his was worse than 1,400. These are historically bad results. Uh, And then he goes on to say here, Zach, it's a significant reason why Nathaniel Hackett has yet to address Drew Locke even as a subject and and why the only thing we've heard from the new offensive coaches is basically kind of talking about potential in his arm games and a bunch of others that range from below average to average. He goes on to talk about how he couldn't move the needle after Teddy went down. And then he says, excuses for his performance from the pro lock crowd are abundant. First, it was the, he was injured in mispractice time excuse. Then the pandemic excuse of 2020, then the drop passes. And finally it's the Pat Shermer's fault refrain. Who wrote this John? This is Thomas Hall. Oh, I thought it was Lewis Riddick. My bad. <laughs> Last thing. Divine intervention. 
All right. He says fans can continue to pray to the football gods that Locke will make the leap into the elite category, but facts are facts. In order for him to make such a jump from where he was in 20 to the big time, he'll need divine intervention because of the quarterbacks who rank in the top 100 worst seasons in a first and or second season. Only nine of them went on to have at least one top 200 season in their career adjusted for era. Even worse news for Locke is that only three of them were selected after the first round in the draft meeting, that teams had invested enough draft capital in the quarterback in question to continue giving him a shot. Locke doesn't have that luxury, Zach. Everyone, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Uh, I feel like there's, from a journalistic point of view, I feel like there's some editorializing going on in there. I mean, pointing out to the pro-lock you know, pro crowd, anti-lock crowd, that's more of an opinion-type statement. But this is the problem when you're purely looking at something in a vacuum of stats and data is when you look at the 2020 season, what doesn't show up on paper was the fact that it was ruined by, I'm going to say it, COVID. I don't care anymore. It was ruined by COVID. It was ruined by Pat Shermer. That's learning a new playbook and the new playbook being Pat Shermer's. That's now that it's come to be, we've come to find out. Locke was playing for a head coach that did not like him, did not believe in him, did not want to utilize him to his strengths, did everything he could to move on from Drew Locke, who was only entering his second year. Those things don't show up in the stat columns, in the data sheets. But if you watch the games and look at it objectively from both sides, that played a huge part in that historically bad 2020 campaign as well. Is Was he, let me ask you this, Chad, okay? I'm asking you and everybody else. The last, I know they weren't, World beating by any means, you know, they went 0-3, but were the last three games of Locke's 2021 season better than what he showed in 2020 for the most part? He had some good games in 2020, but was he a better quarterback by year's end in 2021? Look, I'm just going to go off the eye test, all right? I'm just going to go off what my eyes told me, Um, and that is that Locke, to me, showed in those three games that he had kind of learned his lesson about – um prioritizing the ball. In other words, not being too loosey-goosey, not turning it over, uh, given his – and he, he did a decent job at kind of walking the line of protecting the ball and being conservative in that sense, or protective, I'll say, and pushing the envelope because you got to give your guys a chance. you got to give your offense the opportunity to strike downfield and break it wide open. And I think he was a little bit um, – you know, if you look at it as a pendulum, I think it swung a little bit more – unnaturally for Locke toward the conservative part, just because he was being, it was being hammered into him big time by the coaches. I think with the, with perhaps a more, with a better connection with a coaching staff, I think he could do a better job of balancing the whole conservative thing and his, you know, pushing the ball to the playmakers like it needs to be. I don't think it was leaps and bounds above what he did in 2020. He showed some flashes. I mean, the bottom line with Drew Locke is, We've seen the flashes of brilliance, and I'll use that word brilliance. There have been brilliant moments from Drew Locke, specifically the Houston game as a rookie, specifically the 21-point comeback against the Chargers, played really well on the road against Carolina uh, in 2020. There have been some flashes. The problem is there have also been some very, very deep valleys, and not you know the gap between those two things is too precipitous. All right, It's too wide. It needs to be a shorter gap. It needs to be better consistency, and – I think still to this day, and you know, Thomas, he's his view on it would be, uh, you're making excuses for Locke in what I'm about to say. And that is, I do believe that coaching has significantly influenced his trajectory. I don't think we'd be talking about Drew Locke the way we are today if Rich Gangarello doesn't get fired. 
That's not to absolve Locke of any of responsibility for where he's at in his career. I'm not doing that. I just think, you know, it's going to be a shame, Zach, if he never does get a chance again under Denver or in Denver to, uh, you know, ply his wares as a starter because I'm always going to wonder what could have been if he would have still been uh, teamed up with a coordinator that believed in him and, and schemed to his strengths. That's really what he needs, what he needed and what he needs again today. And I think if they do have to devolve back to Drew for whatever reason, and it would be a devolvement in that, you know, you're looking to upgrade the position in 2022 and it's not that easy, dude. I mean, they're not growing on trees. So if they do have to go to him, I'm going to be all ears, man, all eyes. I'm going to be stoked to see with my popcorn, whether or not he can capitalize on ostensibly anyway, a better coaching arrangement. That's really well said. And yeah, I agree pretty much with every word uh, that you just espouse there, Chad. Um, I listen, I'm not disputing the fact that Drew Locke has warts. He has many warts. And if the Broncos were to upgrade on Drew Locke, you know, a definitive upgrade on Drew Locke, if they were to go out and land Russell Wilson, let's say, I, I would be okay with it. I understand where they would be coming from because in his period of time in the NFL, he wasn't a slam dunk franchise quarterback. It's that kind of business. I get it. But even if he's 5% better, 10% better, marginally better, the way he ended 2021, then he ended 2020. That means he's growing as a quarterback. So if he's growing as a young quarterback, despite everything else, what do I really care about a historically bad 2020 season when I care about 2022, 2023, 2024, and so on? If he's getting better, that's a quarterback worth investing in. So going back and harping on what was one of the worst seasons, not just for the Broncos, but the entire league in 2020, I don't really care. It's just, it's, it's more bias in my opinion against your lock than anything that's going to change my mind. Look, Thomas is a very uh, analytical thinker, but yeah, I mean, you read that article and it's, it's an editorial. It's definitely uh, got some, uh, you know, statistics and analytical basis to it, but his opinion is pretty clear in this, right? His, and how he views kind of the argument for lock and also the argument against lock. You don't, you're not wondering how the author feels about Drew Locke or where his true opinion on the subject might be, uh, and to each their own. That's one of the great things about MHH and the staff we have here is, look, everyone has their own opinion, and they're free to espouse their opinion within the bounds of uh, what is ethical. Okay, seven two seven, and that was not even Thomas's article is not even anything that you need to even mention ethical or not. It's fine. I'm not. That's not why I bring that up. It's just that. Hey, he's got a different opinion than I do. I'm still going to publish it. It's a well-written piece, guys. I mean, go check yeah, it out and read sure. it when you get some time. Uh, seven two seven mill. I saw you with this same comment on Twitter. Why is everyone wanting Josie Jewell over Alexander Johnson? I'd rather have Johnson. He's on the field more. Appreciate you, by the way, seven two seven and that super chat. Zach, what's your uh, response for him? I mean, uh, Josie Jewell seems to have the fan club that Gardner Minshew has. I don't uh, where get where these fans come from. He's a good. Hold the fort starting linebacker. Best as a situational guy, you know, a, a team guy, uh, an insurance guy. You got to have on the roster, but no one I'm tying my future to. I'm first tying my future to Baron Browning before I look to Josie Jewell. But then you can argue, who is the best free agent inside linebacker for the Broncos to bring back if they're going to bring back any of them, which appears likely. Is it Josie or is it AJ, who graded out at the time of his injury as the number three in the entire NFL, inside linebacker, according to Pro Football Focus, he was playing 
good football, but he was doing so on three downs, not two downs. Wasn't the best in pass coverage, but you can kind of hide his deficiencies for the most part. Kenny Young, he showed some flashes as well. You can argue he has more sideline to sideline range and is more active for what Ajiro uh, Evero is going to do in Denver. Um, so Josie, I can understand if they bring him back, but I'm not rushing. I'm not blowing up his phone for him to come back. Let him test the market, see what's out there. If you land, I feel like he'd be perfect for New England. He strikes me as a Belichick-type player. If nothing else is out there, can't get an offer, come back to Denver for 4 or $5 million a year, low guarantees, incentive-laden. I'm okay with that. But he's not the long-term answer. And after years of skipping out an inside linebacker, you have to find the long-term answer, the three-down superstar. It's got to be. Could be Baron Browning, but he needs a little bit more time in the cooker, right? An injury luck, man. Damn. True. Talk about injuries. That cat was plagued last year as a rook. Michael, appreciate you, my friend. Just so generous in your support. The stars being in the chat, keeping the convo going on Twitter. You're just, you're a Hall of Famer, big dog. You're on the MHH Mount Rushmore faux show. He says the Broncos can finally move on from Aaron Rodgers. I know Broncos country won't like it, but let Drew start with a bridge quarterback, then draft one in 2023 or 2022 NFL draft or 23 NFL draft for the future of the Broncos. I feel you big dog. And yes, Kenneth Patterson relative to uh, the Kurt Warner movie. Let me just tell you this. All right. If you know, you know, strong men also cry. Strong men also cry. Travis Weber. I was telling fans, don't get disappointed. If Rogers Wilson doesn't happen, it is, was a long shot. Can't be like on Madden and just get anyone on your team. Guys, it's like uh, Mike Pritchard, who, you know, former first-round pick, played for the Falcons, went into media after his playing career, and, uh, you know, former CU guy, right? Ended up in Denver, working for the fan for a a long while. Um, He had a line. He's a great guy. You know, he was very, very good guy. I like him a lot. And uh, he said to me one time that there's no such thing as a free agent franchise quarterback. Peyton Manning is the exception that proves that as a rule, all right? And it's, I know we're not talking about free agents here, but the the uh, impetus for that philosophy is that teams know when they have that proven commodity at quarterback, it's hell or high water. They're going to do everything in their power, even with a disgruntled problem child, to hold on to that guy as best they can. Uh, there have only been a few situations, even on the trade market, Zach, that I can think of. So Tom Brady, Peyton Manning are the two uh, – exceptions that prove the rule on there is no such thing as a free agent franchise quarterback on the trade market. I'm trying to think of the last quarterback that kind of franchise guy that forced his way out, maybe Favre, but he was so, I mean, I guess he and Rogers at this point are very similar in terms of where they were at in their career. When Favre forced his way out of green Bay, I guess he didn't force his way out. They were tired of waiting and being the yo-yo of retirement. And so they kind of, you know, hey, why don't, if you want to keep playing, we're ready to go to this Rodgers dude that's been chilling for three years, our first-round pick. If you want to keep playing, why don't we make some phone calls? But they were sitting on an Aaron Rodgers. They knew what they had. Anyway, I digress. Well, I'm going to run it back for one second. I don't care how strong you are. You watch Marley and me, and you don't cry. You don't have a soul, point blank, period. Uh, second of all, about um, uh, the free agent franchise quarterback trade franchise quarterback it doesn't happen in the nfl but the thing about farvis chad he wasn't the back-to-back mvp when he requested a trade when he forced it. he was on the downturn i think aaron has a couple years of 
maybe MVP level play left in him. Then he's going to fall off like every quarterback does. Father time is undefeated for a reason, but it's still a very, very capable quarterback as he showed last year and a deserving MVP. It's, it's, it's a hard balance, man. You want to win now, but you don't really get the opportunity for a reason to help you win now by landing an Aaron Rodgers, landing a Russell Wilson, Peyton Manning, people point to, oh, well, if they got Peyton Manning, they can get Aaron. You sign Peyton Manning. You don't have to give up capital. He wasn't under contract with anyone. It makes it so much more difficult. And it could come out all along that Aaron was leveraging the Broncos against the Packers to get more money and get what he wanted. He never had really any intention of leaving. I wouldn't be surprised if that came out. So they have to keep preparing for plan B. And that's why I'm advocating. You have to take a shot. You have to swing for the fences no matter how quote-unquote weak the draft class is, I'm taking one every single year until I find that guy. And I'm doing that whether I'm starting Drew Locke or whether I'm starting Aaron Rodgers or anybody in the middle. you got to get that long-term solution. And he's not necessarily saying in the first round every year, right? He's saying you just keep taking quarterbacks. I mean, I'll it, if it's worked, Mr. Irrelevant. I wanted to find the guy. It worked out to an extent for the Patriots, right? They kept drafting mm-hmm. quarterbacks and when they eventually would build up enough value and they, you know, they trade them away for a decent return on investment, including Jimmy G, including, uh, was it Ryan Mallett? Am I thinking of, uh, anyway, Scott's bringing up two other guys. Well, one we mentioned in Brett Favre, but we also can't forget that before he became what he was, he was traded by Atlanta, right? As a second round pick. Was it two years into his career? One year into his career. Yeah. After his rookie year dealt to green Bay to go back up the magic man, they called him Don Mikowski. Uh, and then Drew Brees. Now, Drew Brees is an interesting uh, rebuttal, Zach, to the notion that there is no such thing as a, f- a free agent franchise quarterback because you could say, well, it, so early in his career at San Diego, he wasn't proven enough yet as a bona fide franchise guy where there was no doubt. And maybe there's some truth to that as a philosophy. And by the way, Andrew, thank you, bro. Rogers is about that money. It's also about himself with the first Green Bay overseas game next season it's so enticing to him maybe we'll come back to that hang tight bro uh but drew Brees, zach you know he won a division title one or two pro bowls in his first um four or five years with the chargers i mean it's not like he was nothing when they decided to let him go if he doesn't injure his shoulder who knows what happens with him he gets traded probably not um no he was a free agent he probably doesn't get traded either way they had draft they had moved on with that arrangement basically drafting philip rivers even though they had drafted eli and all that stuff but those are two outliers that you can maybe point to it's so rare that's in the last 30 years just doesn't happen dude and you know case keenum he's proof that there's no such thing as a franchise free agent franchise quarterbacks that well, here's the thing. How old was Breeze at the time he changed teams? He wasn't going on 39 years old. Like, he was the Drew Breeze in his prime or first entering his prime. Aaron Rodgers is at the very tail end of his prime, but still prime nonetheless. That's what makes it even more exclusive. It really doesn't happen. You don't trade for a <laughs> a franchise quarterback that's going on 39 years old because by that time they're either retired or playing at an awful level. It's so unprecedented for a reason. That's why it was always so unlikely as exciting as it sounded. So 26, basically he was entering his age 26 season, a baby. a baby. And he went on. So as a charger from 01 to 05, he earned real quick, uh, one pro bowl, so my bad. One single-time Pro Bowler, um, NFL Comeback Player of the Year because he did have an ACL tear in San Diego in 04. 
Um, I'm looking for anything else here on 01 through 04. That's pretty much it. And then you get into New Orleans, dude, and it's just a litany of accolades and accomplishments, including world champ and Super Bowl MVP, uh, the great Drew Brees. All right, let's uh, let's try. So the the notion that Andrew brings up, Zach, about Packers and uh, Green Bay having a game overseas next week, how much of that do you think affects what his decision might ultimately be? Aaron Rodgers can buy any place he wants overseas. I don't. I don't know that that it's it's super um, uh, enticing to him or motivating to him. I think it's about. I think you're right on the money though. What the comment said is about the money, about the title, about his ego being stroked. Look at you, Aaron. You're now the fifty million dollar quarterback, the highest paid quarterback player this league has ever seen. I think that means something to him. And why not? If you're going to come back to Green Bay for one more year, why not do it while attaining that title? If you're Aaron. Mike, appreciate you, my friend. You're a stud. Uh, John Juno says, also a stud. If we trade for Aaron or Devontae Adams, we need to have, we need to trade. We'd have to trade, pardon me, uh, Cortland Sutton or Tim Patrick. You can't pay three receivers. Well, that's why it's improbable that even if the Broncos did land Aaron, uh, that Devontae would follow just because you got 50 some odd million and fully guaranteed dollars going to Cortland and Timmy P. Plus, a sizable first round uh, top 15 draft pick uh, contract invested and dumped in Jerry Judy, plus a second round contract dumped in KJ Hamler. So, I mean, how many dogs do you really need at that bowl? That bowl's full, man. And it's full of veritable weapons, just waiting, just dying for a bona fide trigger man. I'm going to say it again and you can roast me if you want, but the Broncos have a Devonte Adams light really light, but that's Jerry Judy. And they haven't even tapped into any of his potential. You can argue the same for Noah Fan as well. Uh, if they can get Jerry Judy involved, they are set at receiver for years and years to come. I think Devontae, just like Aaron, is going to remain with Green Bay, even if he got out of the Packers' grasp. It's more likely he'd go to Las Vegas and reunite with his former college teammate, Derek Carr. That would make that Vegas offense pretty imposing. It was, I mean... I barely gave any shot of realism to the Rodgers scenario when the trade rumors were coming out involving Devontae Adams and Aaron and like four or five first round. That's when it became just like a farcical to me. Yeah, yeah. So that's when I stopped paying attention. It becomes Madden on steroids or too much Adderall or something like that. Um, Mile High Mike, we're going to grab your comment and question here because you get in the chat early and we really appreciate what you bring to the conversation in the chat, my friend. He says... Chad and Zach, do you see Baker Mayfield as a bust? And would you be interested in him if he became available? Now, this is a topic Zach and I do not share a brain on. So, Zach, you start on this. I, I don't know that he's a – I mean, I was a big Baker guy, a huge Baker guy when he was coming out um, into the NFL. Uh, bust is a strong word. I wouldn't say bust. He showed that he could be a legitimate starting quarterback. I don't know about a championship-winning quarterback – I don't know about a long-term solution, but I think you can win with Baker under the right situations. But you had Kevin Stefanski calling the plays. You had Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, David Njoku. Um, you had, obviously, Nick Chubb, and you had uh, Kareem Hunt at running back. You had a great offensive line, and you still weren't performing up to task. I understand he had the shoulder injury. He's played through that. He's a trooper, tough guy, a guy you want to root for, 
Now, I wouldn't say bust, but he has a lot to prove. He has a reclamation project ahead of him to prove that he can get back to being the old Baker Mayfield and not the meme that he's frankly turned into. I'm trying to do a big share screen here, but the <clears throat> pardon me, the uh, the ads on Pro Football Reference are off the chain, so I'm just gonna have to uh, go over this with you. But I definitely do not view Baker Mayfield as a bust in any way, shape, or form. All right, as a rookie. He, he uh, makes the all-rookie team in 18. Uh, well, I guess as NFL accolades go, there's not much there quite yet. First overall pick in 2018. Let's just look at his stats. All right, so year one as a rook, he goes six and seven after supplanting Terod Taylor uh, as the starter. Throws 27 tutties to 14 picks with 3,700 yards. That was in 13 starts. Year two, Zach. He starts all 16. This was uh, under Freddie Kitchens as the actual uh, – am I remembering that right? Freddie Kitchens as the actual head coach, or was that in 2020? Either way, it doesn't matter. Year two, he throws for 3,800 yards, 22 tutties, to 21 picks. All right? And then 2020, starts all 16 again, goes 11-5. and five. Zach leads the Cleveland Browns to the playoffs. 26 tutties to only eight picks. And then this last year, as Zach mentioned, he took a step back. Now it was injury plagued Uh, based on what we know about Baker Mayfield, what we've seen in his past. I attribute this past season to two things. Number one injury. All right. Number two, I'm not sure Kevin Stefanski was the right fit for him. And I'm not trying to throw any shade on uh, Stefanski. You know, he's a, he's a similar guy in terms of spring off the Shanahan, uh, Gruden tree that is basically the, you know, the bee's knees right now in the NFL. He was a Kubiak disciple there in uh, Minnesota, West Coast guy, true West Coast guy. Maybe Baker wasn't the greatest fit, but because of the injury issues that plagued Baker this past season, it's hard to read too far into that second point. So is he a bust to answer the question? In my opinion, in no way, shape or form is this dude a bust. Like throw that word out of the lexicon if you're talking about Baker Mayfield. All right, he his worst season was this one, and he passed for three thousand uh, yards and seventeen touchdowns to thirteen picks. I mean, not great at all, but golly, not bad, not terrible. It's not what you're hanging your hopes on. But I'm saying, if I'm the Browns again, it's talking about one in the hand worth two in the bush. I would say when it comes to NFL quarterbacks, Zach, one in the hand is worth ten in the bush, dude. All right, and I think that he's. He might not quite be able to call him like a proven bona fide franchise quarterback quite yet, but to me, he's right on that borderline. If the Broncos could even come close to getting him, dude, I would be head over heels all about that. Yeah, I mean, about Stefanski, he did beat the Broncos with Case Keenum at quarterback, so I I tend (laughs) to think Stefanski's coaching was fine last year. Um, Baker, what's funny is if you think about it, Baker and Drew Locke have a lot of similarities. You know, injuries have held them back. Coaching's held them back. Their own play has held them back. But you don't really know. You you don't have the answer to the book on either quarterback. You don't really yeah. know what they can be definitively. Um, I do think Cleveland is going to retain Baker for one more year. I think, wouldn't he be on his fifth-year option? Or is uh, it? Yes. Four, yeah, okay. So um, give it one more shot. See how it goes. If he doesn't work out, he doesn't work out, you move on. You're probably tied to your coaching staff. I Playing for the Broncos, though, I mean, you would give up the draft picks. You'd give up the money because you're going to have to pay them. And 
at, the, at that point, if you draw the similarities to Locke, why not just go with Locke? Save the money, save the draft picks, and maybe you mind brighter goals if that's a thing than you would with Baker Mayfield, who is all, you know, a lot of baggage with him too, doing commercials and being involved in social media drama. You don't have that with your luck. I'm not saying that's a make or break factor. I care about winning football games, but there's a, uh, there's an argument to be made. Like just stay put and give Locke another chance. And that's scenario. Marcus Lewis, henna across the pond. What's going on, my friend? He says, hi to all Bronco fans. Love and respect from the UK. Great show as always. Thank you. My friend, very sweet of you. Uh, John Juno says, uh, oh, we got this one. We grabbed that one. What about uh, Cody Dub at 638? Who says, is there any news on Kyler Murray? I'd like to see him in Denver. Um, the last I heard on Speaking that front is that his camp, the Kyler Murray representation, submitted a um, proposal to the Cardinals for a contract extension like 10 days ago and have yet to re receive any kind of counter uh, or anything back from them. How would, how do you interpret that? Zach? I, did you see the statement that he put out today or his agent put out in all caps? Like, you know, Kyler wants to be here, but Kyler wants to be paid. Like Kyler wants to be, it's just screams. Show me the money. I mean, this was the whole thing, what it was about. This was the end game for Kyler Murray. It's what we said on the podcast when he scrubbed his social media of the Cardinals. It's all about this. It always comes back to this one way or another. That's it, what the world is built on. I hate to open up anyone's eyes, but that's the truth about it. That's why it also plays into Aaron Rodgers. That's why it'll play into Russell Wilson. At the end, it's all about the money. So Kyler's not going anywhere. I think Arizona will pay him. You can argue whether they should pay him, but I think they're backed into a situation now uh, PR speaking, they were blindsided by this. I don't think they were preparing for Kyler to pull this uh, this offseason after such a depressing playoff loss, but here they are, and they're going to force the Cardinals' hand, I feel like, and uh, he'll get that mega contract. Whether he lives up to that, I do not know. I'm not the biggest Kyler guy, but that's what he's aiming for. I'm, uh, hey, can you get a Pro Bowl quarterback? Then go get him if you can. And he's a Pro Bowl quarterback, you know? I don't like his vibe you know i've been in the same room with kyler i've talked to kyler murray his vibe is at the 2019 combine his vibe is uh very aloof i mean you, that's you expect that from a star guy i mean this is a guy who just won the heisman of course he thinks he's the bee's knees right like he's the coolest guy he knows no doubt about it but just so is every other quarterback at that podium even the ones that don't win the heisman like they're all alpha you know alpha alphas I just didn't love his energy. He felt like a, a me guy. All right. And if for those of you who've been listening to the podcast that long, Zach and I, we talked about that when he, when he was a possibility for the Broncos, right? This was the year Drew Locke ended up getting drafted and the Broncos held a top 10 pick. So even though it was all signs pointing to Murray being a top five pick, we had to strongly consider him as a maybe being in range for the Broncos. We talked a lot about Kyler Murray in 2019 pre-draft and, and I explained to you the vibe I got from him. And, but at the same time, does he cut the mustard when the lights go on? He cuts the mustard, Zach, he gets the job done. He puts up points, he scores, brings uh, some dubs home, you know, goes get pro bowl or two, whatever. So if you can get that, man, you get it. But I wouldn't be something I really love. I don't know. I think Paxton Lynch was pretty beta, if you ask me. I wouldn't say he was the alpha of all of alphas. Uh, Kyler, yes. 
I don't know, man. Like, I don't really care about Pro Bowls if you're not winning playoff games. And if you, it could be Cliff Kingsbury. I feel like maybe they'll be better without Kingsbury calling the plays. But Kyler Murray um, fell apart this last season. Missing DeAndre Hopkins, I get all that, blah, blah, blah. But his play tapered off. And I think teams figured him out how to play him. And his playoff loss was disastrous. But I was watching a uh, mic'd up video, which involved Kyler. I think it was about the playoff game. And one thing he said stuck out to me based on the tenor and the way he said it, he was talking to the huddle and he goes, if I, if I give you a chance, go get it. It, it just struck me as like, I'm going to do, I, I know for a fact, I'm going to do the right thing. It's on you guys to do the right, you know, it, it, he doesn't strike me as the leader. And again, you'd have to give him a big contract, a ton of draft picks to Arizona for a quote unquote, according to Chris Mortensen, me first immature finger pointer. I don't know about that. Yeah, and that's how he came off to me. I get it. It's just that, you know, one in the hand, you know, going back to that whole philosophy. Uh, turning the page, not allowed here. Thank you for the super chat, bro. That's two nights in a row. We appreciate you. Says, uh, love the show as always. Appreciate you. Asked Zach this yesterday, so now it's your turn, Chad. What kind of car or soccer mom SUV do you drive? Also, Zach, do you get EcoBoost or GT? You start first, Zach. Yeah, I have an EcoBoost. When I get again, like I wasn't planning on getting a uh, pretty standard car. It's it's not totally standard. It's a couple levels up, but it's not a GT. I didn't uh, have the financial capabilities back then, but I wish I had that choice to redo it now because I would for sure get a GT or maybe a Shelby. I do like people crap on the Mustang, like it's a um, it's not a, a muscle car. I don't know. Like it sounds pretty good, looks pretty good. It's fun to drive. Like ton of compliments on it. I'm pretty happy. So, dude, Mustangs are dope. Let's yeah, go, American I'm, baby. Um, I drive a uh, GMC Sierra 1500 Denali, and I drive also because I have five kids. All right, here, here you go. You ready for my soccer mom SUV? It's a Subaru Ascent, seat seven. Boom! There you go. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Not allowed here. That's funny. All right, turning the page. Where are we at? We're at 49 minutes. We've got to start winding her down, okay? Uh, appreciate you, Phil. You're a prince. Love you. Appreciate you. Justin Martin, jumping in again. Thank you. Do you guys know if we ever got a new strength coach? No, we did not. He was retained. Sorry to say. Uh, because that would be great. I'm tired of the same injuries every year. Yeah. Uh, no, no, uh, change in the weather on that front, Zach. Well, you know, I think I saw on Twitter and fact check me if I'm wrong about this, but, um, one of the assistant strength coaches, I think, I think it was a female. I can't remember her name, something Zaller or something like that. She's actually leaving the team for another opportunity or something. If that's the case, it may be because they're looking to replace Lauren Landau. I haven't heard anything on that front, but I feel like they've turned over a lot of the coaching staff, and George Payton has to realize the injury situations playing out uh, go back far beyond last year. And when you have two starting inside linebackers suffer the same season-ending injuries at the exact same spots, that points to training. Just saying. So I haven't heard anything, but it wouldn't surprise me if they do have a new uh, training staff. By season start. Tom L. Greco up in Canada. Much love and respect to you, my friend. Um, he says, where does Jonas Griffith fit in this defense? And do you guys like him? I like him a lot. Um, he was, a, you know, little too flash in the panty to hang your hat in terms of projections. But I know the Broncos were very thrilled 
by the production they got out of Jonas Griffith last year when he was like they're scraping the bottom of the barrel. He provided top of the barrel level production for them late in the season when Kenny Young, you know, so you start with Josie Jewell and A.J. Johnson. They both go down. Then you move to Baron Browning and uh, Justin Sternod for a very short stint. Sternod proved to be not equal to his opportunity as a starter, to say the least. They trade for Kenny Young. That duo was looking good. Wrecked shop in Dallas. I mean, wrecked shop against Washington. It was looking really good. And then Young got beat, uh, banged up, and they had to turn to uh, uh, Jonas. And that dude was a freaking sideline-to-sideline tackling freaking demon. Has some coverage chops, too. Like, I'm, I'm, I like his upside. It's just I don't know how much I want to bank on that, especially now that you change scheme. You know, right. if it was Fangio coming back, I think you would have a little bit more to kind of, you know, more of a foundation with which to project. But to me, he's a great for now. He's a great number three, number four linebacker. But you need to go find his starter uh, next to Baron Browning. Yeah, you know, I, I will give Fangio credit for one thing that it seemed like any inside linebacker he put on the field last year thrived in that role. It was a very uh, off-ball friendly scheme. So I Jonas Griffith would be another like a Josie Jewel, a good guy to have, you know, if you have him on the roster great play him, give him opportunity, but do you tie the position to him for five or more years? Is he the next pro bowler? Is he the next all-pro? Is he the next star? I'm not sure about that. And real quick, Chad, because my memory is indeed undefeated. This is from Emily Zaller, Zaler, she was an assistant strength coach right. for the Broncos. She put out a statement on uh, February 25th. She said to the entire Broncos organization, especially Lauren Landau, I will be forever grateful to every athlete and colleague I've had the privilege to work with. I'll cherish the memories made and the relationships built. Denver, you will always hold a special place in my heart. Sounds like she's leaving and she didn't update her bio on Twitter. So I'm assuming she doesn't have a job in place. Tinfoil hat time could be that they're looking to dismantle the Landau staff or at least hmm. retool it. Interesting. Something to monitor. Miguel, thank you for the super. Yes, there was a problem with Facebook. Our connection has been green the whole time, meaning thanks for connected. Facebook was having some kind of a problem. I just checked because I saw Michael Ronquillo also mentioning a few back around the 640 something mark that Facebook was down, which is weird because we didn't get any kind of notification that it had gone down. So I pulled it up quickly on my phone while Zach was talking and it showed us live. So I think there was about a 15 minute stretch though, where there's some kind of connection issue uh, on Facebook. So appreciate you still finding a way to help support us. Miguel means the world to us. Big dog uh, Nash V. And we're about out of time here, Zach. So we got a kind of rapid fire. He says, and thank you, my friend, if you're on Twitter, by the way, connect with us, let us know your handle. We'd like to be able to tag you flex, shout you out after each show. If you've uh, supported us in the chat, Nash says, who would you like to see the Broncos sign or draft to compete with Locke this season? I think Jameis Winston could be a capable bridge quarterback, and I like the upside of Malik Willis. Zach? I'm right there with you in lockstep, Nash. If they were to go for the bridge veteran route, Jameis is my guy. Um, way more so than giving up draft picks and capital for you know Jimmy Garoppolo or Carson Wentz. I do think Jameis improved in New Orleans, and uh, he got better as a quarterback. You can make big plays with him. I think he would be a nice option. It wouldn't break the bank coming off that ACL injury. And Malik Willis, I think that's my guy, Chad. 
coming out in this year's quarterback class. Kenny Pickett, his upside is like a Mac Jones to me. It's a nice quarterback, but I'm looking for the game changer. I'm looking for the dual thread, the 2022 quarterback. And he needs probably a year, if not more, to marinate and to learn. You still have Locke. You can maybe sign another veteran like a Tyrod Taylor, maybe a Jameis Winston. But if you devote the resources to Malik Willis and you devote those resources to progressing him, developing him, banking on him, giving him confidence and faith, unlike the Drew Locke era, you might have something. That might be the next franchise guy. But I am right there with you, Nash. That's the great great comment. We appreciate the support. Amen, bro. Sam Bam, thank you. Another legend here in the MHH community. Still rocking his uh, Huddle Up podcast t-shirt proudly on YouTube. Love that, bro. Good evening to you as well. And yes, all is well. What are your thoughts on the safety position opposite of Justin Simmons? Caden Stearns looking to be at the other starter. What about Jamar Johnson? Really good question. It feels like Kareem Jackson, uh, his days as a Bronco are officially in the books. So, yeah, you're turning the page. And I'm, for what it's worth, Zach, very optimistic that if the Broncos opted to roll with Caden Stearns and you almost end up having kind of two athletic free guys playing both safety spots because Justin Simmons can play anywhere on in the defensive secondary. And he has, he's actually started every position for this team in the defensive secondary. Um, but you typically on the strong side, you want someone that's strong, right? Someone like Kareem, an enforcer, a TJ Ward, a guy that can fly around and obviously make plays, but also bring the thunder. And that might not be Caden Stearns quite yet. I mean, he's a little light, in terms of really being that physically imposing what you think of as a strong safety. But uh, I think he's probably the plan for now, but they'll be, they'll be looking and Jamar Johnson, man, you know, we were high on him yeah. after the Broncos drafted him and um, between an injury, a virus issue, I'm trying to remember what else afflicted him as a rook. He just, and it came at the worst time when they're trying to shape the roster and create roles for guys is when he was not available. So he ended up being an afterthought. He was on the roster, but he was an afterthought. So maybe he's a guy Zach that under uh, a Jiro Evero can take a quantum leap forward in his second year. But I think for now I'm confident in Caden Stearns as that guy, but I do think that's one of those positions they're going to look to bolster, whether it be free agency or the draft. Dan, thank you for that super chat, my friend. Another one. You're awesome. I think Johnson got into Vic Fangio's doghouse, and uh, as we've as we saw, it's hard to get out of there once you're in there. I, I like his upside a lot, and Evero being a former secondary coach now, I think could help unlock Johnson and Caden Stearns. About Kareem Jackson, he had, he was strong in the box. He was strong against the run, strong locker room guy. Where he wasn't strong was pass coverage, and he was exposed over and over and over again. So I'm looking to upgrade. He's also not the youngest safety around. They drafted two for a reason. Wouldn't be surprised if Kareem follows Ed Donatel uh, to Minnesota. I think he's mm-hmm. at UBC there. And also Bryce Callahan following Donatel. Whole other story. They're going to upgrade safety. I would not mind at all if the starting safety opposite Simmons is Caden Stearns because he was good around the box, the line of scrimmage, and he was better in pass coverage. There's something there to him. You can platoon Jamar Johnson with him. You can maybe add a guy in the draft. That's where I'm going with that. I love, uh, before we grab Tom here, Albert says at 704, Shermer's scheme was a direct copy found in the tomb of a mummy. Let me tell you a quick uh, story for edification purposes. You know, we're, as your football priest, always looking to uplift and edify, all right, the flock here. And I 
was enamored, Zach, with Indiana Jones as a young warthog. All right. When I was a young warthog, I loved Indiana Jones. I wanted to be an archaeologist that went out and fought the Nazis and kicked butt. Okay. Um, then my wonderful Aunt Kathy, she of the John Elway football helmet fame. All right. Uh, she took me to a Ramsey's exhibit that had passed through town. Uh, and I was probably five or six. And in this exhibit, Zach, you got to actually look at this mummy real life. That's Ramsey's in a enclosed, you know, glass case. And when I saw that as a kid face to face, I'm looking, I'm going, yo, dead bodies and stuff. Count me out on, uh, archeology. span Although it's still always been a huge interest, um, of mine, but for what it's worth, Tom El Greco, I'd love to see Locke ball out. 35 tutties and 15 picks. Shut up the haters. Making all crow doo-doo. <laughs> Thanks, boys. It would be great to see. Just don't hang your hat on it, bro. I like the poop in the parentheses, though, to uh, differentiate. Just and spelling explain. it out, baby. <laughs> 35 touchdowns, 15 picks. I want to see the yardage there, but you can win some games with that stat line. I feel like that's a 10-11 win season if you're doing it the right way. And Yeah, I would be hype about it, but I'm sure – the anti-lock crowd would find a way to focus on the 15 picks and not the 35 touchdowns, but we'll see. Kevin Peterson, a.k.a. Big Kevin Peterson. Appreciate you, bro. It's great to see you. Where you been? Hope you're doing well. What about Mitchell Trubisky and Carson Wentz in a QB battle in camp? Uh, we talked a little bit about this last night. Kev, uh, miss us on Wentz, although, again, I feel like Wentz is a little uh, – a little underrated. And Trubisky, I feel about Mitchell Trubisky the way Zach feels about uh, Gardner Minshew. So I don't like either option for, for this team in camp. But, hey, bring dudes in. Let them compete. May the best man win. Kevin, do you want to see me leave the podcast? Do you want to <laughs> see me find a new line of work? Because I swear to God I will if the Broncos go into the summer with Carson Wentz and uh, Trubisky battling it out. I will become, <laughs> I will do a different occupation. I'm not living through that after Joe Flacco, Case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater, et cetera, et cetera. N O. No, thank you. Wait a minute now. So Carson was number two overall, right? In the draft in uh, 2016. I'm pretty sure he was right behind uh, Goff. And then Trubisky was also number two. We're talking the battle of two former number two overall picks that busted. I'm not going to call Wentz a bust. I don't think he's a bust, but Trubisky, absolutely a bust. G Hill, what's good? Thank you for the super chat. Connect on Twitter. We're about out of time, so we got a rapid fire. He says, what do you guys think about Minshew if he was available? Is he better or could he better uh, be better than Locke? He could better the position, but you're getting similar production than you get out of Drew. So more efficient stat-wise, if you look at it just basing off box score results, Minshew has a more efficient uh, body of work. So would you be upgrading the, the the room? Yes. Would you be upgrading Drew Locke if that was your objective? Beauty being in the eye of the beholder, I'm not sure on that. But I wouldn't absolutely hate it. Zach, on the other hand, he's he's closing down the laptop. He's turning <laughs> off the lights. <laughs> he's getting in his freaking uh, Mustang, and he's hauling A for the Mexican border. He's <laughs> Yeah, and it pretty, it'd be pretty easy to get over, so I wouldn't have a problem there. Um, I, it's just it's sad that it's 2022, and we're talking about Mitchell Trubisky and Gardner Minshew 
as quarterback options for the Broncos. It's like, Chad, I went off this ride, bro. You know, like no, I want this. Just solve it already, man. Come on, please help me. Howie freaking day in the freaking house. It's great to see you. Thank you, bro. Appreciate you. Uh, you are the man. We also have John Clay eventing in the house. Even time. I think we settled this, but I can't remember. Appreciate you, my friend. Very generous of you. Would there be any traction in the Broncos trading back with the Eagles, giving them our number nine and our number 40 for their 15 and 19? Cause they got two first rounders. That would be the logical range for Willis at 15 and a right tackle at 19 thoughts. John's really put some thought into this, Zach. What would your reaction be? Well, I'd be a lot more uh, open to taking uh, Willis at 15 than I would not. I still think right now it's a little early, but I feel like he's going to get the momentum where uh, just based on being a quarterback in a fairly weak class, if he stands out at all, he's going to have top 10 hype. So if you want to move back and stack draft picks in a very, very depth heavy class, that's a win for George Payton. He'd be checking off two of the Broncos' biggest needs and doing it very smartly, very wisely, and still giving them more ammo to fill other needs uh, later on. So I love the comment. I love the idea. I, I would not cry. I'll, I'll say that. Much love. Michael, throwing down Thank on you, Michael. stars tonight. You are a prince. We love you. We appreciate you. Um, Andrew Baker, for what it's worth, look, he's got a 98 Mustang GT, 4.6 liter, nice. first car he ever bought out of high school, Wow. and still the only car I ever bought. She is still carousing. Awesome, dude. Very cool. Rodney Haswell, uh, 17 Mustang GT Ruby Red. Ruby Red. Interesting. Good cars, man. Like American made. They they run well. Gas is a little, you know, much right now, but I really like Mustangs a lot. Big fan. By the way, guys, everything going on in the world, keep your gas tanks at full right now. Trust, okay? There's a little tip from your football priest. Leaf, thank you, bro. Thank you for that support on Facebook. And uh, with that, we're saying hi to Gary Leeds Palmer. And then we got to go, all right? GLP saying, I don't always agree on everything you say, Zach, but you're hitting on all cylinders tonight, baby. I appreciate it. I mean, I, I love, like, just the difference of opinion. It's, it's hard to just agree all the time and being in an echo chamber. I rail on Twitter for being that, and I don't want to be that on, on our podcast. So I love the difference of opinions here, Gary. I love debating, engaging. It's what makes it fun for me. So I, I tip my hat to you as well for the nice comment. Eric says, evening priest in Broncos country. I don't think Locke has the cerebral skill set. Doesn't make and or misses reads. Rolling with him another season feels like we'd have yet another year without the playoffs. You could be right if the coaches aren't going to move the needle. Maybe Locke can't, the needle can't be moved with Locke. I don't know. I don't think so. You'd probably be a bubble wild card team. You know, would be probably, that gives you a chance though. That gives you a chance. And then you get in the tournament and who knows? Maybe we're talking American underdog here. Miracles spring forth. Who knows? But if you get to the tournament, then things are possible. Zach, on my third, I'm on my third cor uh, Cobra, says Phil. Awesome ride. Great show, guys. And uh, last thing here, guys, and then we got to go for real. Uh, question from Mike. Who from MHH is going to the Combine? Great question. For the first time since, I think, 2016, not counting, you know, the uh, last season with the um, pandemic stuff still lingering. There will not be an on-site coverage from MHH at the combine. Now, Zach and I were both were approved and applied to go. We were gonna, we had some cool plans in the in the hopper, but something happened on my end. All right, with things going on with my 
family and stuff. My kids, nothing bad, just ended up being a, a conflict. And we had to cancel the plan. We had to go to the combine together. Um, so next year, we'll, we'll be there next year. Let not your heart be troubled. And if it's not the two of us, you know, we'll send Nick Kendall or we'll send uh, Eric Trickle or Luke Patterson. We'll send somebody. Probably be yes, though, because we really wanted to go. It just wasn't in the cards for us uh, this time around. But uh, we'll see you in Vegas for the draft meet and greet, baby. All right. But with that, we got to go, Zach. So if you want to do the rundown, I'll pull up our shout outs for tonight. Let me just end on one more note about the quarterbacks. Yeah. If let's say you draft, I'm going to throw a name out there, Desmond Ritter in the second round, and you go on and you win 10 games, you become, as you say, Chad, a bubble team, a playoff team. You make the playoffs for the first time since 2015. Would that be a successful season? Of course it would. But if you do the same thing with Drew Locke, why shouldn't it be held to the same standard? That would be a successful season as well. So again, there is some merit if you have to run it back with Drew that you can unlock that upside if it's there. And you can also make a similar run as you would if you plugged in a Jameis Winston or plugged in a rookie quarterback. But uh, as Dylan said, great conversation, guys. We thank you so much for tuning in with us this evening. That was the Huddle Up Podcast. Until we see you guys next time, which will be Wednesday evening, same time, same place. Follow us on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account on Twitter for all your Broncos news, analysis, rumors, and more at Mile High Huddle. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. Follow Scott on Twitter at Scout Kennedy. If you haven't, if you want to rock a really super comfortable beanie like I'm wearing a hat like Chad's wearing, go to huddleuppod.com. That's our one-stop shop for all your Broncos Huddle Up Pod needs right there. Get in on that action. Facebook.com slash Pod. Like that page. Follow that page. And please, guys, go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win. Maybe a beanie, maybe a hat each and every single month. But if you can't do any of those things, please, guys, take five seconds. Subscribe to this video. Like this video, share this video, and every video you see on the MHH channel helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. Amen. And by the way, guys, crushing the merch store. We are so grateful for that. One thing we want to remind you, though, when you get your merch, send us in the picture. Tweet it to us. DM it to us. Email it to us. We want to flex that. Shout you out on MHH social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. But here's how uh, we finished tonight. Now, we did cross the 250K goal on Facebook, so we're going to be raffling a jersey on uh, Wednesday for our Facebook community. Tonight, Michael Ronquillo finishes on top, followed by, and Michael, you demand, dude. Yeah. Howie freaking Day, Phil McLaughlin, Andrew Baker, Travis Tarbox. That's T twice for those of you in the know. Jacob Foster, GLP, Triple C, if you know, you know, Leaf Roebuck. Claude Riley, Travis Weber, Eric Weber, Rodney Garcia, Mike Reno, and Marcus Lewis Henna across the pond. And then a shout out to these great Super Chat superstars. Wednesday, we will reveal the final top five and do the raffle. It's going to be a gas. Uh, shout out to Dan, to Shane Daniels, the aviator, Justin Martin, 727 Mill, uh, John Juno, Cody Dub, not allowed here, Tom El Greco, Miguel Santisteban, Nash V, Sam Bam. And Big Kev, G Hill, John Clay eventing. Much love and respect, guys. Uh, enjoy Tuesday because there could be some big news coming out tomorrow. Broncos for breakfast on the bright and building the Broncos tomorrow night. And then Zach will see and I will see you here Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. Take care, guys. And as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.